the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This next guest is one of my favorites in Congress. Uh, He is Congressman Warren Davidson. He represents Ohio's 8th Congressional District. He's a member of the Freedom Caucus and the Committee on Financial Services, where he is Vice Chairman of Digital Assets, Financial Technology and Inclusion, and Chairman of Housing and Insurance. And then he's also on the Committee on Foreign Affairs. Uh, Congressman Davidson, thank you for making time to be with us today. How are you this morning, sir? Doing well. How are you? I'm super fantastic. I'm ready for some football in Turkey. That's that's where I'm at. Yeah, yeah. Thanksgiving's like one of the best, most iconic holidays. And, you know, we get to give thanks uh, for our great nation and just for a kind and merciful God. Amen to that. And I still celebrate Thanksgiving. I don't care if anybody thinks that that America is an oppressive place. Thanksgiving is a beautiful story and we're going to and we're going to live it. Um, let's jump right in. So uh, the continuing resolution passed last week. Biden signed it before the deadline on Friday. Four appropriations bills will have to be decided before the 19th of January, eight more in February. Now, Americans want a smaller government, by and large, uh, less spending. Does this continuing resolution help that, or does it hurt it, Congressman? Yeah, I mean, it clearly hurts it. I mean, it was uh, disappointing that we're in a position where we're not even delivering on you know, very weak cuts. I mean, look, uh, two-thirds of the House and two-thirds of the Senate voted to cut spending, not by a lot, but they voted to cut by, cut spending as part of the debt limit deal back in May. And this bill doesn't even implement those cuts. So it, it, that was very disappointing. And frankly, it, it doesn't do any other policy reforms either. Uh, the one thing it does is it prevents reform, or at least makes it harder to get the consensus to do reform on the farm bill because it extended the farm bill for another year. And we were teed up to do some significant reforms in ag policy. What would those have been, if you don't mind unpacking maybe one or two of those? Well, uh, work requirements. For one, I mean, the the debt limit deal also said we were going to implement work requirements. Uh, You know, for if you want to keep getting your neighbor's money for food, uh, food stamp program. uh, I think we broadly support the idea of a safety net. But at some point, if you're an able-bodied adult and you don't have dependent kids at home. Everyone kind of expects even a friend or family member, like, I'll help you out for a while, but you're going to get a job, right? Or at least try. You're going to vote. You could volunteer somewhere or you could at least go back to school. Um, But those kind of reforms uh, are put on hold. Uh, One of the big ones I wanted was to stop paying um, subsidies on solar panels. Uh, I'd like to get rid of those altogether, but fundamentally in the farm bill, Uh, I want to say you at least can't get them if you're going to put the solar panels over top of fertile farm ground. We spend all this money to try to grow more food and subsidize it in other ways, which is a different challenge, different problems. But at a minimum, we shouldn't be paying so much for solar panels to subsidize. A, the market, the only reason that it would even make sense is because of the subsidies. And the subsidies are so generous that they're paying three times as much for farm ground to put solar panels on it. 
as what they can pay to grow corn or soybeans on it. That's I mean, crazy. so these are important reforms yeah. that uh, that really need to be included as part of a farm bill. Oh, well said. Hey, this will be our pivot into foreign affairs. Uh, let's talk about border security. That was another issue that seems to be absent. Is that something that you think you can negotiate into these January appropriations bills or February appropriations bills? Well, they're not going to negotiate themselves then. I mean, the reality is we need to make the demand, and uh, the Biden administration is going to concede nothing if we don't make a demand on them. And it was very disappointed. Frankly, uh, one of the last uh, bills that Speaker McCarthy offered was a a bill that cut spending, that provided border security, and uh, had a, a debt commission. Unfortunately, it failed. 21 Republicans voted against it. And the reason they voted against it was largely because McCarthy wouldn't change the schedule. We had three weeks out of six on uh, the last CR that we weren't originally supposed to be in session, uh, and they only changed uh, the schedule for Congress to keep us in session after that version failed. And, uh, and of course, ultimately, then right after that, that's when McCarthy got uh, vacated as uh, speaker. So we spent a long time getting another speaker. But that border security was a key component of it. Now the current plan seems to be that, well, we can secure our border if we give $60 billion to Ukraine to secure Ukraine's border. And, and you know, what a false sense of equivalency. Um, you know, whatever your views are on Ukraine uh, in that war, uh, you should be able to independently agree that we're going to defend America. Yeah. You know, we have – I have a an acquaintance whose daughter is still in the Ukraine, and, and there's a lot there. And so I don't mean this to sound cold. Certainly, we want Ukrainians to be safe, particularly the women and children and, and, and civilians. But how in the world do you justify not securing our border and then wanting to send $60 billion over to Ukraine, particularly when our own government is now telling us that there are not only illegals but likely terrorists crossing our borders and and who knows where they're going to be? I mean, do you think that Ukraine funding will happen? Do you think it's something that we'll finally say, no, we're not going to do that unless we have some end goals uh, that are determined? Well, there's an ongoing kind of uh, campaign to say, you know, what I said was define the mission. And it, it only got 129 Republican votes back in July. But now there's a clear momentum to say we need accountability there. Congressman Mike Garcia, a Navy veteran, a fighter pilot veteran from California, kind of led a more formal think tanky uh, letter over to the National Security Advisor saying, you know, look, you guys need to answer some questions, essentially define the mission. Uh, and, you know, the administration has sent back some kind of weak talking points that, uh, you know, didn't satisfy everybody in uh, in the House. Uh, and they haven't provided a level of accountability. But, you know, I think the broad consensus in Congress is to keep cutting the checks. Um, you know, I don't support that view personally uh, for, for Ukraine. And what I think is continuing to happen as you see information coming internationally that shows that the Biden administration actively intervened to prevent Ukraine from negotiating a peace agreement with Russia. Yep. So this could have been peacefully resolved that would have saved hundreds of thousands of casualties and tens of thousands of fatalities in this war, an enormous amount of suffering. And I just really feel like, you know, this this Biden administration is is as crooked and weak and dishonest as as they, I mean, it's unbelievable. And furthering this with more funding just empowers Secretary Anthony Blinken 
And, you know, frankly, I, I think we're approaching a point where we, we need to be considering do we need to impeach Antony Blinken for just overt corruption. I mean, it's just terrible. Even the uh, attempt to help Israel, yep. they're using the funding that we're promising to Israel uh, as a tool to coerce uh, Benjamin Netanyahu to enter into a ceasefire agreement as a tool to try to push a two-state solution, which was the goal of the Hamas attack. Uh, and, and look, they already have sovereignty over Gaza, and look what they're doing with it. They're not doing it to peacefully coexist. They're doing it to fulfill what they say and what they mean when they say the phrase, from the river to the sea, uh, you know, finish the rest. They want They want to kill Jewish people, and that's what they did in this massacre. And the idea that Antony Blinken and the Biden administration are interfering with Israel's sovereignty should offend everyone, and uh, we shouldn't tolerate it. And, and the, if, if we're going to give them money and the Biden administration is going to use it as a tool for coercion, then Israel might be better off without our money and without our strings attached. Uh, nevertheless, I voted for giving it to them. I just am so frustrated with how the Biden administration and Anthony Blinken in particular are handling it. Yes, I was going to ask you about Israel, and I think you just unpacked it beautifully. Literally only about 30 seconds here, but I want to give you the floor. Anything else that you want to say to our listeners before we go into the Thanksgiving holiday? You know, I just thank, uh, thank the Lord for uh, our country. It's uh, America's worth defending, and it's especially relevant time to thank the people that have made and kept our country free, uh, the people that are deployed around the world, even to places that maybe they shouldn't be. They're willing to go serve our country, and we should give thanks for them. Warren Davidson is a Republican. He represents Ohio's 8th Congressional District, and he's a friend of The Bruce Woolley Show. Congressman, thank you for making time with us today, or for us today. Thanks, Jack. God hey, bless you. God bless you, and uh, and God bless you for listening and uh, being part of this. Uh, great insight from the congressman on Israel, on Ukraine, and on the continuing resolution. Uh, my, my read on it is uh, it looks like we're going to just continue writing checks. Uh, and increasing federal spending when a bulk of Americans want that to be the opposite. Uh, hey, uh, stay tuned to The Bruce Woolley Show. Plenty more left. State Representative Beth Lear and Lad Dilgard uh, yet to join us here on The Bruce Woolley Show. A big thank you to Congressman Warren Davidson for visiting with us today and uh, talking about that continuing resolution and uh, funding for Ukraine and Israel and maybe what we can expect in the days and weeks ahead on Capitol Hill. We'll have him back uh, after the Thanksgiving break. Hey, I want to tell you real quick about a group that supports the Ohio Press Network. That's where I'm editor in chief. They're the Freedom Foundation. Now, the Freedom Foundation is important. Let me tell you why. I was talking to an Ohio teacher over the weekend, and she's conservative, and uh, she was expressing her disdain for teachers' unions. And when I inquired, I found out that part of it had to do with, you know, they take dollars and give them to union bosses, and union bosses almost monolithically support progressive policies, not only in our state houses and in Washington, D.C., but in our schools. And the teacher said, you know, I, I, I mean, I, ha- I pay my dues because I have to. And I went, wait a minute. No, you don't. But see, that's the game. These teacher unions don't want their teachers to know they don't have to pay union dues. 
I'm not making that up. The Supreme Court said that five years ago in the Janus case. They said, if you're a government employee, you don't have to join a union to get a job. And if you have a government job, you don't have to join a union to keep it. And if you're not in the union, you do not have to pay union dues. Now, they don't want you, they, the union folks, the union bosses don't want you to know that because that cuts off their cash flow. And uh, that cash flow is used for things that you don't agree with. So if you go to optouttoday.com, you can see how simple and seamless it is to opt out of your union. That's important right now, especially going into the holidays, because you're going to save about $1,100 per year. Given Bidenomics, that's real money. But again, the better part is that money doesn't go into the coffers that union bosses control to put people like Joe Biden in the White House and to put these radical progressive movements in our schools. So thank you to the Freedom Foundation for supporting the Ohio Press Network, and thank you for going to optouttoday.com to check it out, see how easy it is to get out of the union. Hey, um, before we had Congressman Davidson on, we went through this story in the Washington Examiner, and and I'm going to try to put a bow on this before we have to go uh, back to break. The, the title is, or the headline is, Congressional Tensions draw comparisons to pre-Civil War polarization. And I pointed out that one of the comments made in the article was uh, this uh, by Freeman is her last name. She's, she's an author, and she discusses uh, that the tensions and uh, the violence in Congress is similar to the 1800s, and it's similar to those Behaviors exhibited by who? Southerners who were pretty much willing to do anything to protect what they referred to as the practice of slavery. So they're very subtly linking Republicans who are all up in arms and frustrated with Southern slave owners. Why is that important? Because the narrative for years has been that America – is systemically racist. Now, when you think about that, that means that baked into the structure of a representative republic is racism. Baked into the structure and wording of the United States Constitution is racism. And so it's really interesting that even the Washington Examiner is giving audience to someone like this who is saying, in essence, these Republicans are just like the Southern slave owners pre-Civil War. Telling you what's going to happen is that conservative Republicans are going to be viewed by mainstream outlets, and that's not a very long bridge that you have to cross. I mean, you can turn on CNN, MSDNC, read any of the major corporate-owned newspapers in the state of Ohio, and you see that these people are already hook, line, and sinker, you know, swallowing – the, the blue poisonous pill of progressivism. So they're going to be happy to stick the label of oppressor on conservatives who love the Constitution and love a representative republic. You don't believe me? Let me see if I can find it in here. Uh, Joshua Hooter, a, a senior fellow at the Government Affairs Institute of Georgetown University, noted that the recent frequency is unusual, citing you know the tensions and violence. In addition to the three events on Tuesday, Representative Mike Rogers uh, made headlines in January when he appeared to lunge at Representative Matt Gates during a lengthy series of uh, ballots to elect McCarthy Speaker of the House. 
the event may have been dismissed as an isolated case due to high tensions. But Tuesday's rash of threats and violence has made some reconsider. Uh, and then they go on to talk about what part of the Republican Party do you think that they're going to talk about? They're going to talk about pro-Trump Republicans and members of the House Freedom Caucus. George Washington University professor of political management Matthew Dalek pointed to the more hardline factions of the party, such as the Tea Party or the House Freedom Caucus, claiming these groups tend to, quote, view any compromise as really traitorous. And he said, those divisions within the Republican Party have gotten worse. This explains why the Republican Party has been less than functional, she noted, explaining it lacks discipline in a sense of shared mission among conference members. I'm going to stop you right there. Do they lack a sense of mission or are they just simply unwilling to put up with rhinos? What's a rhino? A Republican in name only. A rhino is somebody who's happy to wear the Republican badge or have the R behind his or her name when running for office. But when they get to Washington, D.C., they they don't cut spending. They don't keep the Biden administration in check. They don't do the things that people who read and understand the Constitution, who read and understand the Federalist Papers, who believe in the beautiful value of a representative republic do. They're part of the uniparty. They're part of the group of people that love big government. And they don't want to cut it off because they now have power and privilege. And so it's really interesting to me that this is the talking point, even from the Washington Examiner. So what you're going to see is this will be the narrative latched onto as we get into that 24 race. The press is going to tell you how violent Republicans are. They're not going to tell you about the lead up to 2020 when there were tons of senators. Uh, Liz Warren, back then it was uh, Senator Harris, uh, Senator, Senator Sanders were saying, hey, we have to fight. We have to fight. You know, and then, by the way, they were they were bailing out Black Lives Matter protesters. <laughs> you know, they're not going to talk about uh, the fact that burn loot and murder created way more arrests, way more violence and way more damage. They're not going to do that, but they're going to tell you that Trump is a threat to democracy and his supporters are violent. And by the way, if you're in the Freedom Caucus, people like Jim Jordan, people like Congressman Warren Davidson, you're the faction that's part of the violent problem that's infesting this country. Folks, they're not just coming for more office, right? More seats in the Senate and seats in the House. They're coming to tear down the viability and the power of the Constitution and the representative republic. It should be a four-alarm fire right now. Hey, uh, more on the other side of this break. We will be joined by State Representative Beth Lear to talk about school boards and goings-on at the Ohio State House. So stay tuned to 98.9 FM, The Answer, The Bruce Woolley Show.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.